Okay, for our New Testament reading, Ryan, if you want to click ahead, we're going to continue our Lenten custom of uh, the spiritual practice of uh, Lectio Liberatio, which I need that first slide, Ryan, if you'll go back. Or a liberation reading of Scripture. And we'll have um, four readings of our text this morning from Matthew chapter 26. Verses six through 13. Uh, we'll do the first three questions with some time to pause and reflect between each reading on um, the questions that come up. We'll make some space to discuss and then we'll do the final question, um, and have some space to reflect and then discuss again. So our first question is related to belong. Uh, what is the conflict? or change in the text, and who or what in the text connects to the story of your family or community of origin. Now Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon with the skin disease. A woman came to him who had an alabaster vessel of extremely valuable balm, And she poured it on his head as he sat at a table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, What purpose does this waste serve? For this could have been sold for much and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, understanding, said to them, Why are you making this trouble for this for the woman? She's done something good for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this balm on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Our second prompt is be bold. What policies and cultural norms is the text resisting or calling us to resist? Let's listen for this question in the next reading. Uh, Would somebody be willing to, to read it? Get the mic, Jules. Now Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon with the skin disease. 
A woman came to him who had an alabaster vessel of extremely valuable balm, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, What purpose does this waste serve? For this could have been sold for much and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, understanding, said to them, Why are you making this trouble for the woman? She has done something good for me. For you all will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this balm on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Today I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. I return to our question, what policies and cultural norms is the text resisting or calling us to resist? Our next question is become what vision of healing and liberation does the text call forth? We have another volunteer to read. Thank you. I'm waiting for you to put the (laughs) thanks. You haven't memorized. <laughs> now Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon with the skin disease. A woman came to him who had an alabaster vessel of extremely valuable balm, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, What purpose does this waste serve? For this could have been sold for much and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, understanding, said to them, Why are you making this trouble for the woman? She has done something good for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this balm on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Reflecting on what is the vision of healing and liberation that the text calls for.
Okay. Well, what reflections are surfacing for you about any of these questions? Okay, there you go. Like, uh, like, just kind of what what have these questions like prompted in us? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of um, what I was drawn to in terms of like, uh, I definitely connect with this idea of like, oh, you shouldn't be frivolous. You should like use your resources to help out people and that kind of thing. So like that whole like that whole thing resonates with my background. Yeah. Um. And I guess like on reflecting like on the story in the past month or so, I have um, encountered a few people. Well, I guess a few people have helped introduce me more to like the use of art and like the importance of art, um, like religious art, for example, right? And like the role that that can play in our lives and that kind of thing. And I've always thought of, like in, in some of it's like really kind of scholarly and like, like this whole world that I don't understand. And it's like an aspect of Christianity that I don't really understand if that, if that makes sense. And, um, and so anyhow, uh, initially my response was like, this all seems like a bunch of frivolity, you know, like, um, um, but then like just reflecting on, the ways that some of that has been used in my own life, like some paintings have been used in my own life recently or um, just stuff like that is like kind of opening, opening me up to that. So as I hear the story, like I'm thinking about that perfume as like art or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, something beautiful, right. Mm-hmm. That's being shared. And um, yeah, that's where my brain goes. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. I I think it's really easy for us to look at things and reduce their value all the way down to a monetary number. And it can come out in a lot of different ways, right? You can go out for a nice meal and you can appreciate the food or you can go, "Ooh, wow, look at look at what they charge for that. That seems, you know, um you you know, we've we we we've done it with housing. Right. It's a place to live, but it's also an investment. How much is your house worth? How is it appreciating? How is it going up um, or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and what can you do to make it go up or go down, depending on if you're investing or paying taxes at the moment? Um, but. Right. And so I see that in this story where some people look at this perfume and they see money. And that's all that they see. And they're like, why in the world did you just throw away money? Hmm. Because we could have done something different with it. Hmm. But she didn't come with money. She came with perfume. And what is the purpose of perfume? It's not, I don't think it's supposed to be an investment to hold and to acquire more value and then to sell it off. It's to make something smell nice. And so you look at that story and you see this woman's just trying to do a nice thing with something that she had. Was she, was she rich? Did she have lots of perfume? Was she poor? Did she scrounge and save for it? Was it even hers? Did she just grab it off the shelf? I don't know, right? But like 
she's just in that moment trying to do a nice thing using something for its purpose. Mm. But the conflict comes from, oh, well, that has a value and we could have done something different with that value and just mm. completely reducing it down to that. Mm. You, you lose the point. And I think that connects to what you were saying with the art too. It's like, it's more than just like what it costs to make, right? There is, it has its own intrinsic value, what it brings to people and what its purpose is and what it does. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. It just kind of reminds me of the importance uh, of honoring and celebrating certain things, people, events, um, that, yeah, that's worth doing, even though it may cost something Mm -hmm. that that's a necessary part of loving people. Mm. Um, yeah, as I reflected on this, uh, this text, earlier this morning um i i got caught up i'm i guess distracted i don't know maybe not distracted maybe maybe it's on purpose i gravitated to the line about jesus saying um you always have the poor with you uh but you won't always have me and how this text i've heard this text used as a uh i don't know uh, justification for not being engaged in the lives of the poor or in social issues or in the economic realities of our city and whatever, you know, like Jesus didn't care about that. You know, he said, well, always, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, oh, my words are not coming to me, uh, complacency, I guess, or, or, um relativizing you know it's uh, it, there's nothing we can really do about it we're we're always going to have the poor with us so let's focus on worship instead and let's just do our worship services and be you know be the church and um uh this uh, what i think is happening here so i think that's a terrible reading of this text and i i think what is happening here is actually the opposite um because because jesus is echoing uh deuteronomy 15 which has that line you always have the poor with you um and it's i don't know 15 or 16 verses deep maybe maybe 10 or 11 it's in the middle somewhere of deuteronomy 15 but deuteronomy 15 begins um by saying there shouldn't be any poor people in the land uh, because God is going to bless you so richly. You'll have so much abundance and resources. There is no excuse for there to be folks in poverty uh, in your midst um, uh, because I'm going to take care of you that well. And then right after, um, so so uh, Moses, the Deuteronomic writer, um, right after, I mean, maybe it's God speaking, you know, um, um, uh, right after this line about you'll always have the poor with you. Uh, first of all, um, the speaker here is saying you'll always have the poor with you. 
on the heels of saying there shouldn't be no poor in the land. Well, uh, you, you have the poor with you always, only if uh, you're not faithful to God, only if you're not generous toward the poor. Uh, and on the backside of the same sentence, you'll have, always have the poor with you. So you should be open-handed to the poor. You should care for the poor. Um, uh, context is important. I think Jesus is echoing this text with his disciples because they bring it up and say, well, shouldn't we, shouldn't we, um, give this to the poor instead? And the, the impact, I mean, there's so much irony dripping off what Jesus says, you know, well, if you were generous in the way that this woman is being generous in this moment, uh, we, we wouldn't have any poor, uh, so uh, it's a it's a both and I guess, and I, I don't feel like I'm um, articulating myself very well. But I think this connects to, well, it, it connected to me to the the ways that this text has been used to justify uh, a lack of interest or a distance from or a lack of concern for folks in poverty because there are different or higher priorities. But I think Jesus is saying, yeah, worship. That worship in this person's honor of me is important. Um, he's not saying caring for the poor is unimportant. Uh, it's yes and. It's not either or. Yeah, it, it sets up this this false dichotomy. Yeah, that you you have to make a choice. Right. Right. You're, we're either going to do this thing or we're going to save the poor. Yeah. But but you're right. Like it's the disciples who are setting that dichotomy up, uh-huh. right? Yeah. By saying we should give this to the poor right. instead, right? Yeah. 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 Like, no, we, we should be able to do both. There's enough. We can do both. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I heard this story used in reference to a lot of the feelings surrounding the um, Jesus commercials of the Super Bowl. Um, the What was their tagline? Um, he, he, gets he, us, he gets us. He gets yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how much money those Super Bowl ads cost and what could have been done with that money that would have been statistically more effective. And the people who are very pro those commercials referencing this story, um, as a way of explaining the heart behind, I think, what they were doing at that time. And, you know, then some detractors came back with it would be more apropos to compare it to if she had just poured it on the ground. Um, than Jesus, than Jesus' feet. Um, I don't know. So it just gets me thinking of this dichotomy. It feels like in those mostly social media news driven scenarios, this dichotomy is set up. I, I would still challenge that use of money, but this dichotomy is set up of it has to be either or. Um, and I see this word liberation and what Jesus is doing. And I think. Man, maybe the liberation aspect of this is that we don't have to be judge and jury of what other people are doing um, and their heart behind it. Um, and we could focus more on what do I have that I can pour out in the name of Jesus and and maybe free us up from, at least for I can speak for myself only, how bogged down I get in deciding what other people should or should not be doing. Um, with their time, monetary, emotional resources, whatever you want to, whatever category you want to put it in. Thank you, Julie.
I think just kind of echo off of that. I watched this philosophy video the other day about effective altruism. Hmm. Is that a term that you've heard before? Under altruism. I haven't heard effective. Well, this is more like I prefer using effective right? altruism. It's, it's, <laughs> I can't wait. I don't, either, either I don't know. Three of you so excited. I'm probably going to explain it very well. I think it's a model used mostly by the very wealthy to figure out statistically uh-huh. like where their money will do the most good. Uh-huh. Like um I think just probably the Bill Gates and Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. Like I think they have used this model of like, okay, well where are we like, okay, we got to tackle malaria or HIV and that will do the most good for the most people, which is not, it's not a bad thing, but I think like you said, like we can't, there are other things like, it's not like, oh, well, the person living next door to me isn't poor enough, so I can't, like, help her. I should be helping this person who lives in another country. It's They're more poor. Mm. Um, but basically, you just help where you can, right? And so, but, like, this effective altruism thing is like, no, we've got to be scientific and statistical and figure out the, and maximize. Um, when you mm. use words like maximize, I mm-hmm. feel like that just, it all comes apart like why you're doing it Mm. um it's not that that's a horrible thing and this is really a billionaire problem more than it is maybe an us problem because we're just going to be able to help where we can we can't we don't have the resources for that but Mm. um i just thought that was kind of an interesting connection yeah the uh, other thing that talking about all this makes me notice in this story is the disciples, the, the critics don't say we could have sold this and we could have used it to pay for somebody's surgery or we could have sold it and we could have fed, you know, these people down the street that we know. There's no names. There's no specific people. It's just the, the abstract of the poor. We could have sold it and given it to the poor. There isn't like, there was no, there's there's a lack of a of a personal thing there, and I think that would have been a very different story. It's like, oh man, that's exactly what we needed to take care of this need right here. And it's mm. like, no, 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 don't you feel like we could have just done better than this? It's 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 a little bit more abstract, <laughs> yeah. judgy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, it amounts to the. I mean, uh, you you could see the uh, the the gendered layer of this story and the way the disciples are taking a shot at this woman by saying, oh, what a foolish decision this woman made to just waste this thing. Oh, tell you what, just reckless. Right. That's right. She's done something great here, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, your comments have got me thinking about, um, you know, liberation and healing and, uh, uh, one, one article I read about this text, but um, in the Deuteronomy text by a guy named Bryant Myers, who is a, he's written, he wrote a book about uh, God and the poor. Um, And, you know, he's reflecting on how, I mean, in our, in our contemporary circumstance, we know that there are enough agricultural resources in the world for everyone to be fed. And so, uh, the, there is a systemic kind of problem when folks are starving, when folks are doing without, uh, 
um, uh, to the idea that like there's, there is enough in the land for there to be no, technically no poor among us. And I, I guess I'm wondering, you know, like what, what if, if that's true, um, what if part of what this story opens to us, you know, is, um, uh, you know, I guess a picture of the future or a, or even a picture of the present, like the lavish kind of generosity of this woman toward Jesus images a world in which not, not only does everybody have enough and, and we share with each other, but there's even enough to celebrate and honor each other. Um, there, there's enough to appreciate beauty for beauty's sake and not simply its capitalistic value that we feel like we have to survive or fend off death or insecurity or whatever by reducing everything to its economic value. What, what if that's part of the vision that this story, it, if we could see the world the way this woman does, not only would it improve our relationship with God and our relationship toward others where we have this spirit of generosity and, 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 and honoring of each other. It, it would improve the lives of our poor neighbors too. It would, it would address the, the poor always being among us as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like maybe that I said that a little better than my ramblings on Deuteronomy 15 the first time. Um, okay, let's read it one more time. Our last question. Be still. What is the text calling you personally or us communally to pay attention to in yourself to more fully support this resistance and vision? We have a final volunteer to read as we consider this question. Thanks, Ted. Now, Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon with the skin disease. A woman came to him who had an alabaster vessel of extremely valuable balm, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, what purpose does this waste serve? For this could have been sold for much and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, understanding, said to them, Why are you making this trouble for the woman? She has done something good for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. By pouring this balm on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly I tell you, Wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. So I'll sit with this question. 
What's the text calling you to pay attention to in yourself to more fully support this resistance and vision? Anybody want to share something that surfaces for them? I think I'll start um, just to break the ice. Uh, I was thinking about driving here this morning. Um, Ryan Kaiser is getting his uh, his learner's license hours in, and so we're um, he drove this morning, and we're still on surface streets. It's all part of the process. Uh, so we came down Greenville, and uh, you know, when you get around Park, Park Lane, Northwest Highway, um, you know, there's a section of Greenville where a lot of our our neighbors, I, I assume, um, well, I assume based on what I know from Lowell and him telling me that a lot of our unhoused neighbors hang out right there at Park and Greenville and Park and uh, 75, Um it's an intersection point, actually, between um, the poor and the wealthy. Uh, Lowell says the most lucrative place to panhandle, um, and and there's uh, there's a hierarchy, there's a pecking order about who can do that because of that, um, and it's very carefully managed among our our neighbors on the street. But just seeing um, uh, seeing a bunch of our neighbors on the street and seeing some unseemly things, in fact, uh, that I'll tell you about later, not on this microphone. Uh, uh, but, but I, I, this feels like not a perfect application of this text, but also, I mean, who's to say the, I, what comes to mind for me and part of, part of, I think, seeing my neighbors along the street is just feeling like, you know, in the plague. And even right now, um, I don't have a lot of lulls in my life that I'm close to and connected to. Um, and he- hearing Jesus say, you know, um, what you do and give and how you care for the least of my brothers and sisters, you do that for me. And uh, feeling a, feeling a pull, I guess, to, to honor Jesus in the way this woman honored Jesus in the lives of my, my neighbors in poverty, feeling a pull toward that. And I feel like, I don't know, God keeps knocking on my noggin, noggin about that. And I'm like, yeah, great, great idea. Sure. I'm, um, uh, but I feel like that needs to, 
be in the hopper for me. I need to do something about that. I need to pay attention to that in the language of this question. Anybody else want to share something coming to them? Um, one thing it calls it reminds me of is there's two quick stories I've read this week. Um, to I have a tendency to if I agree with someone generally I put them in one category and if I disagree with them I put them in another category and I don't pay attention to anything nothing they can do is right right mm. um, that makes a lot of sense of my experience of you feeling like I know what category yeah you don't right now. <laughs> I, I, I try to be upfront with you about where you are yeah. <laughs> so um, Kyrie Irving uh, one of y'all basketball player just got traded you know big star. You got a very checkered past, a lot of bad stuff. You know, he said a lot of bad stuff. It, you know, kind of a strange dude. But, you know, they were talking about on the radio this week. Um, he has a tendency to surf through, um, oh, I'm sorry, the fundraising. Uh, you know, when you find right, when you go fund me, he surfs through GoFundMe and will find something that touches him and then donate a large, you know, $50,000 to this GoFundMe. Hmm. And he's done that. They've brought it up like three or four times since he's been in Dallas. He's done that. And I thought, huh, life, people are more complicated than uh-huh. my tend, I tend to make them. And I also read something this week where y'all may have seen this too. Nicholas Kristoff in the New York Times wrote an article that, uh, George Bush did maybe the best policy in the history of the presidency by, um, giving all this money to Africa to, to beat AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, save 25 million lives likely. And, you know, also you can disagree with a lot of things that he may have done, you know, the war and all the things that, that mm. didn't work out well. Um, again, people and things are complicated. Yep. And this lady may not have had a great past. Who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe she had a great past. Maybe she, she'd had a checkered past. And, but she did this great thing. And you can celebrate that one thing without having to put them all in a category and ignore everything they've ever done. Yeah. I was wondering if you're going to say, so we need to give the disciples, and you know, we need to give them some a break for really screwing it up in this story. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to land on the other side and give her credit for doing something that that maybe she wasn't getting credit for. Yeah. No, that's good. That's and it's so true, Tommy. Thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? Is there one more out there just waiting to get out? I got one more minute. Yeah, there it is. Sweet. Um, a. <laughs> uh, Back to your comment about knowing someone in hunger and poverty. Yeah. Um, maybe y'all saw this. A Minnesota lawmaker was fighting in, uh, against um, free lunches in schools in Minnesota because he literally said in front of the Senate or whatever, I don't, I've never known anyone who was in hunger. Mm. And so it was just unnecessary. He said this. I mean, I, it's unbelievable. But anyway, yeah, just, it goes to your point yeah. that having personal experience with changes your perspective on a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Well, thank you all for reflecting on this story. Um, uh, may, may we, uh, may we honor God, honor Jesus in the spirit of this woman with generosity, with extravagance and um, in the spirit of Jesus too. May we also 
honor and care for and know our neighbors in poverty and even encounter Jesus in those neighbors.